my heart today and my prayer today is that we are able to start Advent, truly understanding what Advent is and let go of our busyness, to be able to um, really just focus on why we have this season. Because I don't know about you, but I know me. There is so much going on. I'm just trying to get day by day by day by day. I want to be able to stop and reflect on why we have Christmas this year. And I hope that our series this year will minister to you in that way as well. First, though, I want to mention, are the Newsoms here today? I don't see them here. We do have a new baby in our church, and that's what this baby rose is for. The Newsoms have a brand new grandson, and his name is Benjamin Edward Newsom. The parents are Mark and Jackie, and big sister is Ellie. So if you happen to see them, tell them congratulations. So, all right, let's get started. Turn to Psalms 33 with me. And actually, your sermon notes say that we're starting on verse 18, but I'm going to go all the way back and start at verse 13. We do not know who wrote Psalms 33. It's believed to have been David, but that's not a definite. So as I read this, my mind goes to David, but again, I don't know. But I'm reading this in a way of, um, obviously, it's before Christ. And the reason we need Christmas is because God was separated from the people he created, the people he loved, because of the sin in the garden. And God didn't want to be separated from us. But he had to be. And so Christmas was his solution his way to fix that. So as we start in Psalms 33, 13, from heaven the Lord looks down and sees all of mankind. He's not with us. He's looking down on us. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who formed the hearts of all who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. It's only through Jesus that we could be saved. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all of its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Hope is in there quite a few times. And as Miss Leslie shared with us earlier, I hope I get a new car. I hope the weather is nice. I hope that I don't get late to work today. Those are all wishful thinking. But we use that word an awful lot. Where our hope is an expectation with confidence. 
we know that we know that we know that there are promises that God gave us. And we know those promises to come through. So today, as we talk about hope, I want to talk about the Christmas story. We all know the story. We all hear the story. We believe the story. But do we understand the story? <laughs> it wasn't a fairy tale. Even though sometimes we read it to our kids as a feel-good story about this cute little baby. He was more than just a little baby. And he came for more than just the well-to-do. But yet he did come as a king. So let's look at the Christmas story. Realizing it's not a feel-good story or a fairy tale. It's not just a good book we've read. It's so much more. First, we know that the angel Gabriel came to Mary, told Mary she was going to have a baby. Well, let's talk about Mary. She was a little peasant girl. She her, came from a home, a family of workers. She had no high status. She was not a prince waiting for her knight in shining armor. She was just a girl, an ordinary girl. And then, after she told Joseph what was going to happen, and he wasn't so sure about this, could you imagine? Hey, I'm going to have a baby. You're going to be the legal dad. He's going to, you're going to be the earthly father. But he's really God's baby. Can you imagine? What? <laughs> God's baby? Hmm. So then Joseph's like, okay, what am I going to do? And I got to do this gracefully. But he has a dream. And an angel visits him in his dream and says, you need to do this. You need to take this baby. Well, again, no fairy tale. Joseph was an ordinary man, a carpenter by trade. He worked with his hands. But yet he was devoted to God. They both were devoted to God. Even Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Again, no fairy tale. So then the time came that they had to go to Bethlehem. It was time for them to go and be counted by the census. It took them about four days to get there. But did you notice there's no chariot? There's no entourage of people to take care of them. And here, we, we're waiting for a king. Nope. They had to go on foot and on camel, walking about four days. Mary, very pregnant. And then you may not understand, but <laughs> that was a trip. Uncomfortable, knowing this baby was coming any minute, any day. And she's walking and riding on a very bumpy camel. No fairy tale. And then they get to Bethlehem and there's no place for them to stay. So they have to go to a stable. Could have been a cave. A stable in today's terms would be a barn with animals. 
Mary gave birth to a baby all by herself, no doctors, again, nobody to help her. And then she wrapped him up and laid him in a trough. Hay, feeding for cattle and oxen. I don't think I'd want to lay my baby in this uncomfortable, scratchy bed. Jesus came and was laid in a bed. Our King of Kings came in a way as a homeless person. And then the news came. Now there was a fanfare of angels who came to the lowly shepherds who stunk were probably the lowest in the social ring. But they got to come see the baby. Again, no fairy tale. But when they did see the baby, then they ran to tell everybody about the baby. No parade. No fanfare. Just these stinky, dirty shepherds telling everybody what they had seen. And they knew this was the baby. This was the Messiah. Now, a little bit backwards in my mind, but about a year and a half, two years later, they're no longer at the stable, but the kings show up. We always show the kings at the nativity. The kings really weren't there. It was about a year and a half to two years later before they got to, to boy Jesus at that point. Toddler Waddler. And don't we normally bow down to kings? The kings bow down to this little boy. Why did all this happen? I think for God to show us he didn't come for the rich. He didn't just come for those high in society. He didn't come for those who have it all together. He came for you and for me. Ordinary people with problems. To a sin-filled world. He came as a human being. In a manger. So what does this mean? Who is this baby? Let's look it up. Turn to Luke 131. This is Gabriel speaking to Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And then let's turn in the other direction to Matthew 123. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, if we break that up, Emmanuel means with us. L means God. With us, 
God. God chose to leave that heavenly place we talked about in Psalms, to come down to this earth, to leave the perfection of heaven, to be born as a human, to be with those his imperfect, sinful people. With us, God. He chose to do that. He didn't have to. He chose to. I don't know if I'd want to leave my perfect home in heaven to come down to a sin-filled, cursed, dark world with people who were all messed up. But he did it for the ordinary person, for you and for me. Why did he do it? He did it to save us. If you turn to Matthew 1.21, just back a little bit, that says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. He came to save us. And Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man will come to seek and save the lost. He came to save us. He no longer wanted to be separated from us. And he had to have a plan. He also came to have eternity with us. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his, ever, his one and only son for us to have everlasting life. And do you know he calls you friend? John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master, his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. He came to be our friend. And... He came so he would no longer be separated from you, never to be separated again. See, his greatest and biggest desire was to be with those that he loved, to be with those he created. He didn't like being separated. Now, the Holy Spirit was there, but it was there. We did not have the indwelling yet of the Holy Spirit. So he could not be with his sinful people. Romans 8, 38 and 39. 39 says, I will never be able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Sometimes I know I mess up. And I'm like, mm, he doesn't hear me. He doesn't see me. But that's not true. Those are thoughts that can get in our mind. That's Satan messing with us. But we'll never be separated from God. That's why we have with us God. Emmanuel. That's hope. He is still with us. 
He will never leave us. That's hope. That's the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit. Colossians 1.27. This is why we have Christmas. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Christ lives in you. Because that baby came to earth. Because God with us, we will never be separated from him again. Because of his plan. He chooses us to be with us, to dwell with us, to be where we are. We will never be without him again. Today, you're going to get to take home a little ornament to hang on your tree or on your refrigerator or wherever you want to put it to remind you with us, God. He came as a little baby. He grew to be a man, and at a very young age, he hung on the cross. That was a plan. Christmas had to happen for us to have a Savior. But then, when he left... He sent us the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of. That is why we have Christmas. Hope is the expectation with confidence. God's promise of eternal life, of never being separated from him again. But God's plan, remember ordinary people, God's plan involves extraordinary events in ordinary people's lives to be fulfilled by ordinary people. God has called all of us to do extraordinary things. I was thinking about hope. I was thinking about God with us. And I was trying to just visualize all the different times that God has shown up in my life. And there were so many, I, I just kept thinking of different ones. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. But one that stuck out is this extraordinary girl. Should not be here right now. This girl wanted to be a teacher. And because of her home, and a dad or stepdad would not help her get loans for school or sign Pell Grants, I had to do what I had to do to take care of myself. And so I went to trade school, and I decided, hmm, I like to travel. I'll be a travel agent. Well, I went to school. I got a degree in travel and tourism. I worked in car rental industry, which was not fun. And I worked there for about five years. And after Chuck and I got married, I couldn't, I couldn't do that anymore. I was working nights. I was working weekends. It was not working for us. It wasn't working for me. 
So I left there and decided I can be a receptionist. And I, I was. I was a receptionist in a doctor's office for a couple years. And I just thought, you know, it's okay. I don't get to be that teacher. And then we had a baby. And I'm like, okay, my job is to be a mom. I'm going to stay home and take care of this baby. That didn't work either because there were bills to pay. Realism hit really quick. But I was actually here substituting at PCCA in a kindergarten class. And the, direct, the preschool director of the church came to me and said, I have a position available in our Parents' Day Out program. Would you like to be a toddler teacher? It's like, I can do that. I actually, growing up, my job was a professional babysitter. And many of you are kids that I got to babysit in those years. So I'm like, I can do that. Little did I know that a couple years later, I would become the preschool director. Then I would become the preschool pastor. And then a few, many years later, about 10 years later, I was asked to be the children's pastor. I wasn't so sure about that. It was going to be interim, but I liked it. Okay, I can do elementary too. I don't only have to stay with the preschool kids. But what God showed me and how he showed up in this extraordinary girl, that God was with me. He was walking me through every step of that. And my dream to be a kindergarten teacher, that's not what he wanted for me. He had so much better for me. Because I get to be here not with just kindergarten children. I get to spend my days with preschoolers. I get to spend my Wednesdays and Sundays with all ages. God knew and showed up for me. And if I had a dream and God knew his dream was better than mine and he showed up for me, what is your dream? What has God promised you? What are you holding on to? What is your hope? Because God with us. He is going to do it in you. He is going to do it through you. And he's got people along the way helping make that happen. Ordinary people, Mary and Joseph, why did you pick me to have this baby? The ordinary shepherds. Ordinary people, God's calling us to do extraordinary things. Hope lives in us. It's not just a, I hope I am one day. No, God, you've put this in me. What are you doing in me? What are you doing through me? And how will it happen? I trust you to be with me, with me, God. As I close, I want to pray for you that in this season, God will show up, that you will be able to stop and reflect on why Christmas. God with me, God, show me you, show me the things of this season, show me why you came for me. And actually, before you leave today, if you need to, come grab a handful of hay. Baby Jesus came in a manger. 
but he didn't stay there. Grab some hay, take it home, and remember that he came to ordinary people for extraordinary things. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are with us. Thank you that our only hope is in you and that you will fulfill in us what you have promised, the promise of a baby, the promise of life eternal, the promise of forever with you. But Lord, what are we doing? What are you calling us to do? What dreams have you put in us that you are walking alongside us? to fulfill in our ordinary lives. Thank you and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Yeah, give Sandra another round of applause. Great job. Excellent. Good stuff. And by the way, she's been operating in the gift and the calling of God in her life for 28 years here at uh, Belle Isle Community Church. 28 years. Incredible uh, stability, filled with character, and uh, does an incredible job here on staff. And uh, Sandra, we're delighted. Thank you for uh, giving us uh, your life story of how hope works for you. You did a really, really good job. I was sitting there taking notes, and I was like, Sandra, tell us how it's worked for you. Tell us how it's worked for you. And she was making me wait until the very end. I tell our staff and our pastors here, you got to make the message apply. And the Christmas story, I talked to a pastor a couple of weeks ago, and he said, I, he said, I hate preaching about Christmas. And I was like, are you kidding me? The Christmas story is just filled with so many incredible uh, characters that come from all different aspects of life. And you did a wonderful job of showing us and telling us how hope has worked in your life. Now. Uh, go ahead and stand up across the auditorium as we get ready to leave and, and, and dismiss. You've got to go put up Christmas decorations. <laughs> and I hope you do it with a good attitude. And pray for Pastor Scott. I, I got to go up in the attic this afternoon. And, 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 and that is the dreaded activity of my year. And every year, I, I don't know about you, but every year, Sometime during the year, someone goes up in my attic and steals things. Because Tammy's like, it's in the attic. I'm like, honey, it's not in the attic. No, go back up there. And, and sure enough, somebody comes and just steals every year, steals things out of my Christmas boxes. So uh, pray that we find them. And, and I pray today, whatever you're hoping for, I can't help but not believe there's people here hoping for uh, recovery of your, of your body. You're faced with sickness and, and illness and disease. Somebody here today, you're hoping that God would rescue your wayward son and daughter. Someone here today is hoping that God would restore a, a marriage. There's a business person here today hoping that God would turn around your business. Our hope is in Christ, the solid rock, and I'm grateful for that today. Would you bow your hearts with me and let's pray. Father, thank you for, for hope in a in a hopeless world filled with a lot of information, God, it could get so overwhelming. We're grateful today that we have the hope that is in us, the hope of glory. And that God, you give us that expectation of future good. Lord, I pray that you would help us this Christmas season to hang on to the hope that we have in you. We're grateful for it.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God, the hope that is in you, shine this Christmas season. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week at Bilal Community Church. Go and sin no more. We'll see you. God bless you.